2: and gentlemen live from the west coast it's time for ring talk live world one your inside look into combat sports brought to you by the
3: wbo the world boxing organization pedro let me let me tell congratulations on your long time in radio you are your team and for your rating man i was reading about that i'm very uh, impressed with you pedro
2: and now the host of the longest running fight show in radio and internet history
3: I don't want to, to predict this fight, but, you know, I'm going to promise that I, I can give a good fight, you know, so, to make people happy, and uh, I, I
4: just
2: do my best. Pedro Fernandez. If I can't teach you one way, I'll teach you another, but I'm going to get the job done.
4: Damas y caballeros, bienvenidos, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the mighty Sports Byline Broadcast Network, of course, coming to you live from the city by the bay, San Francisco, California. Check it. This is Ring Talk Live Worldwide. 35, no, no, make that 36 plus years now of being often imitated but never duplicated. Stick around for the next two hours, and you will find out why. My name is Pedro Fernandez. This is Ring Talk, of course, the longest-running fight show in history. We'll hook up with the HBO, the retired HBO godfather. Check in on the wisdom of Larry Merchant in a few minutes. Of course, in hour number two, we'll take a soul turn. We'll bring in one of the soul singers, one of the great soul singers of of modern day. I'm talking about Mr. Brent Carter, formerly of Tower of Power, now with AWB. Going to talk boxing and MMA with Brandon. Of course, open phone lines all around the planet. You can join me on the toll-free if you dare. Because if you call and say something stupid, click. You get hung up on. 1-800-878-7529. That's 1-800-878-7529. Or, or the less harmful guilt-free no-commitment text line. You can't get beat up sending me a text. Text number 415 415- 275-1613. One, one, Once again, the studio text line here in the Sports Byline studios for Ring Talk Live Worldwide, 1-415-275-1613. One, 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 That's 1-415-275-1613. One, 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 you are tuning to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. We'll talk boxing and MMA, of course. We'll also spend some time with the greatest. I'm talking about Muhammad Ali. This is Ring Talk Live Worldwide on Sports Byline. If you don't know it now, you'll know it in a little while. This is the ultimate when it comes to combat sports ring
5: talk live worldwide
1: That's 800-403-5912.
8: iHeartRadio, an app so powerful, it holds 20 million songs from 450,000 artists. Thousands of the best live radio stations, custom stations, and stations created just for you. It's anywhere and it's everywhere. Millions of songs, thousands of stations, one free app. iHeartRadio is that easy. Download the app today or listen online at iHeartRadio.com.
2: Everybody's mad at the white man. Got guys blowing up federal buildings because they're mad at the government. Got the Latinos. Did you see that last week right here in LA? Picketing all the networks. Do you know about this? The Hispanics, the Mexicans. I don't know what the hell to call you this week. But the Mexican people were picketing the networks saying... That during prime time you will see no Latinos on TV. What are you talking about? You got cops. You got America's Most Wanted. <laughs> Why? You have adventures of the Highway Patrol. There are shows for everybody. If you took the time to check your local listings instead of bitching so much, you'll see there's shows for everyone. Not you. There's an Asian guy in the front row. After Margaret Cho, you had your shot. It didn't work out. All right, back to the kitchen. Sorry, pal. Now more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez. I can't take it anymore. I
1: have had it up to here.
2: One of my comical heroes, Get
4: Vicious, Bobby Slayton. He and I have been together since 1981. When he comes to town, I go see him, of course, at the punchline, but comedy's not happening. Nothing's happening in in the midst, of course, of this coronavirus. And I do want to mention this. Nevada's close to reinstating boxing. Of course, the UFC's had three shows. In the past uh, couple of weeks down there in Jacksonville, Florida, in front of an empty arena. And while there's only been one fighter testing positive thus far in those three three fight cards with the UFC, that's one fighter. But the bottom line is, I guess, nothing's perfect. Nevada's close to reinstating boxing. They're talking about maybe coming back May 27. Are they going to have a May 27 meeting to discuss maybe a June 9th card? Of course, with Shakur Stevenson at the MGM Grand it's going to be televised on ESPN and ESPN Plus. Of course, Stevenson, double S, an undefeated lad, great talent, no doubt about that. Lots of skills. If you can stay, uh, <clears throat> if you can behave outside of the ring, I think he's going to be a star inside the ring. And of course, going back to this, is are, are they rushing things? You know, back in the day and I know this will sound a little off the wall, but back in the days of the AIDS epidemic, um, it was better to err on the side of caution than it was to not. You know what I'm saying? Because you're gambling with your life. In other words, you know, is it really worth it? And it really wasn't worth it. Unless, you know, I mean, it really wasn't worth it. Everybody knows that. Anybody that contracted some something like HIV or something like that through, through having fun, obviously the fun wasn't worth it. So what I'm trying to say is that getting together and going to the beaches and, and going to fights and, and all this kind of good stuff with no vaccine in sight. I just don't know if that's the smartest thing in the world. And as far as social distancing and mass are concerned, well, you know, Pedro knows his history and I go back in history and I read history. And of course, I studied the 1918 flu epidemic. Of course, it started basically here in the United States and spread around the world, killing like 50 to 60 million people. But How it got started here and how it got prevented here is a big, big lesson to be learned. They had an island out in the middle of the SFA called Yerba Buena Island. It's still there, obviously. Um, There's Treasure Island, Yerba Buena Island, and Angel Island. Anyway what they had was they had 4,000 people in this military base and not one person got the virus in 1918. Yet 40,000 people died in San Francisco. How can you figure that out when it's only like three miles away? Well, what happened was they employed social distancing and they didn't let people get near them that weren't covered with masks and things like that. So it worked for the entire Europe of Buena Island. It can work for you. What I'm trying to tell you is that the social distancing, take it seriously. Speaking of social distancing, <laughs> <laughs> Promoter Eddie Herron's social distancing himself from a Mike Tyson comeback. Yeah, I'm not going to be promoting a Mike Tyson comeback. Blah, blah blah. Yeah, the reason why you're not promoting the Mike Tyson comeback is that Mike's not got you in the. You're not in the neighborhood. I mean, Mike's not looking you up. I think Mike will end up with Bob Arum. Mike Mike Tyson Somebody shot me a text the other day. Mike Tyson going back to Don King. Um, I think it would be a cold day in hell before Mike Tyson went back to Don King. I mean, these guys. I told you, I think I'm I'm going to repeat something probably from a a previous show or yesterday. When uh, they were in Florida, Don King, Isidore, Isidore being his bodyguard and his driver, of course, it looks like a human refrigerator, started off at 200 pounds, ended up at 300 pounds or more. Anyway, the bottom line is uh, Mike Tyson started slapping Don King around in the back of the limo. So Isidore pulls over the limo, and, you know, basically Mike Tyson says, hey, you want some of this? But he uses a little bit more colorful language than that. What I'm trying to tell you is that, Mike Tyson and Don King, not on, not not in this lifetime. I don't think so. Anyway, reinstating boxing June 9th, Shakur Stevenson coming back of course on ESPN Plus. That's going to be uh, before an empty arena at the MGM Grand, I believe, in Las Vegas, Nevada. And I wish you, the, I wish everybody the best of luck on that because, you know, like me, I like to err on the side of caution. Speaking of caution, let's bring in the esteemed Godfather, the HBO wizard. I'm talking about Mr. Larry Merchant. How are you this morning,
3: sir? uh very well, I think relatively speaking, it's a beautiful day in santa monica
4: okay um I, I is does this is this quarantine thing does this sort of show us where sports how big a role sports play in, in american uh life because they're trying to find all these different ways to put sports back on the air
3: without without a crowd
9: um
3: I think yes, it does just as the theater does and movies do and restaurants do uh and other stuff but the sports in particular is a great uh, national uh um uh, drama and and uh a da- it gives us a daily boost uh Reading the, the results of this or that, and who did what and when. So yeah, sports is an important part of our popular culture.
4: May twenty fifth, nineteen sixty five. It's gonna be that's gonna be anniversary tomorrow. Of course, I'm talking about <clears throat> the great shot, the Hall of Fame uh, shot of Yuku between Cassius Cle- Muhammad Ali's legs. At that point in time, nineteen sixty five. Godfather, do you remember that day? You do. You do, do, when you go back in time, can you take us back to that day?
3: Are we are we talking about Ali and Liston?
4: Ali and Liston, the second one, of course, because that's going to be May twenty fifth, nineteen sixty five. That was the that'll be the anniversary on the twentieth tomorrow. Really? Yeah. Wow.
3: Okay. Uh, yes, I have uh, very vivid memories of of that fight, that scene. Um, After the first fight, when Liston quit, I believe, between the seventh and eighth rounds, Mm -hmm. um, there was a lot of, Liston was so highly regarded as an invincible force that there were suspicions about why he quit. He quit because he was faced with a younger, quicker guy who was braver as well in any event um this was over this was like a year and a half later, and everyone was anticipating it uh for such a long time and uh we saw what we saw.
4: If the fight was such a hot fight, and and Cassius Clay, of course, and then Cassius Clay pulled off that that uh incredible upset, how come the second fight was being shopped all over the place? How come it ended up in in Lewiston, Maine, of all places?
3: Well, because I think they were trying to make uh, a pay per view event out of it, maybe an earlier earlier version, maybe theater television. I don't know. I'm sure it has to do with money. Mm-hmm. Originally, it was supposed to be in boston uh but then it was postponed because Ali had a uh, hernia a hernia and so it was postponed for under two months uh and at that point uh, the only place they could find was uh or create was lewiston maine and because i guess the assumption was there were very few people up in maine but uh It would be like uh, a form of a television studio to have the fight up there. And um, I don't know how well it did uh, financially. The numbers then were a fraction of what they are these days for big fights. Um, I never wandered into that uh, accountant's office who has all the numbers but um, you know, I don't recall it being celebrated as a financial success.
4: You know, everybody was talking about Sonny Listed being the big, bad dude and this kind of stuff, and Eddie Machen, who started me off in boxing, he had a pretty decent career for a while. He lost 11 fights, was a world-ranked heavyweight at one point in time. He lost a 10-round or a 12-round decision to him back in 1960. And I remember Eddie had, he had a few drinks. He had a few drinks, but Eddie's saying he didn't hit all that hard. He wasn't all that hard to move around, this and that, and that. Eddie Machen thought that, that Cassius Clay used some of his blueprint to beat Sonny Liston in 1964. Of course, that was Eddie's line. Of course, Eddie was a, an alcoholic towards the end. But he, he, I don't know if I told you, Godfather, his, my mother tried to get him to break me. They said, they said, you know, we don't want him boxing. And Eddie said, don't worry about it. I'll run him into the ground. I'll run him. So they ran me around. Instead of giving, you know, like two, two miles of road work, they to give me four that kind of good stuff. And I did it all. And my, they, they went back to Mom and said, You're not going to break them.
3: Well, um, the point about Eddie Machen, Eddie Machen was one of, and Cleveland Williams were the two best fighters that Liston fought uh, before Ali. And after uh, the the first fight when Ali nearly had to have the fight stopped because of a of a substance that got into his eye. Um, It was reported that uh, Machen and Williams both had complained of the same thing during their fights with Liston. And Ali and everybody realized that it was an astringent that Liston put on his had put on his shoulders between rounds, mm-hmm. and that uh, that helped him get through those two fights, but not through the Ali fight.
4: Of course, he would draw with Cleveland Williams. Cleveland Williams, is an underrated heavyweight, no doubt about that. Wow. Larry merchants our guest, he is the retired HBO Godfather. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide on Sports byline, iHeart Radio, Sirius XM, Satellite Radio. Talk about. SP Nation Sports, iTunes, Stitcher.com, TuneIn.com, and of course, now, Anchor.com, the podcast on Anchor.com. You are tuned to Ring Talk.
7: I feel nice, The
4: sugar respond. I feel nice, my
0: sugar is
12: Don't wait another minute to see if you may qualify for your Social Security disability benefits. Call Pinnacle Disability Group at 800-593-7491 for your free case evaluation. That's 800-593-7491. 800-593-7491. Call now.
4: <laughs> to watch two
1: men at the highest level
4: battle and one may be favored over the other but you never know what's going to happen. And, and that's,
8: with, that's why boxing
2: is the way it is. Now, more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez.
4: Undefeated 2004 Olympic gold medalist, a kid from across the bay, was born here in the city by the bay, Andre Ward. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. You're inside looking the world of boxing and MMA. Larry Merchant's on the line from Southern California. UK promoter Eddie Hearn said he would not he will not promote a Mike Tyson comeback because he will receive a lot of criticism. Doesn't that mean Mike Tyson's basically said no to him already?
3: You know what? <laughs> I don't know, and I don't care. Okay. If uh, Mike Tyson wants to come back and somebody's offering him a lot of money to fight, in essence, what is an exhibition, mm-hmm. an exhibition, good luck to him. If he can make a pile of money, I have no problem with that. But they're not real fights. They'll be, they're special. Barring sessions.
4: You, 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 you know what? The, the, the San Francisco Chronicle used to pr- promote professional wrestling every other Saturday at the Cow Palace. And on the bottom would say, these exhibitions are approved by the California State Athletic Commission. So they would basically come right out and tell you it's an exhibition. Mike Tyson's going to try to come out and try to say this is going to be a real fight, but it's an exhibition. Correct, sir. So right, anyway, we'll move on to that one. Um, somebody asked me about uh, Jose Suleiman's legacy. And I'm going to ask you about that in a second. As far as my own personal interactions with Jose Suleiman, I remember the time that um, that that he gave me forty thousand uh, dollars, or or said he would give me forty thousand dollars and send me down to Nicaragua to try to try to bring Alexis Arguello back and put him in rehab when he was hooked on crack. So that was a positive side of Jose Suleiman. I also know that Jose Suleiman who uh, fixed, I think, Julio Cesar Chavez's ninth or eleventh fight when he was disqualified, and they just made that fight go away. So Chavez was never essentially undefeated eighty-seven. No, outside of that. Now, those are my impressions of Jose Suleiman. What were yours?
3: Well, I'll I'll start with the, uh, the best thing he did was he often talked about health and boxing and so on. I don't know what he actually did about it. But otherwise, he was as corrupt as anybody in boxing could be. He tried to overturn the Buster Douglas' knockout of Mike Tyson. Uh, he was in Don King's hip pocket. Um, so I have the least regard for him as, as a uh, a boxing regular. Of anybody I can think of,
4: do, do you know how I got? How I prodded him into? I, I basically blackmailed him into giving to to allocating this forty thousand dollars for Alexis Arguello's rehab when he was hooked on crack was that um, he had forced Arguello into signing a renewal contract with Don King, and had he not signed with Don King, he would have made a whole lot more money going with somebody else. But Suleiman said, if you don't sign with Don King, we're going to strip you. So Arguello signed with him. It cost him. Uh,
3: I could tell you stories, but yes, he was in promoters. It was a business, and he was in promoters' pockets who would use uh, the WBC um, to uh, sanction fights and championships and so on. Uh, and it was all, I'll, I'll help you out if you help me out, and you'll give me a share of the of the gate and i'll help you sign that fighter and blah 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 i think he might have done it with chavez as well um so i i just think uh that um boxing could do without those kind of guys but boxing always attracts those kind of guys okay
4: now that there's not going to be a live crowd in, in boxing matches, does that mean somebody, Nancy sent in this in from St. Louis, St. Louis, Missouri, I guess, St. Louis, I don't know. Anyway, bottom line is she says, um, will pay-per-view prices go up because of the fact there's no live crowd? Do you think?
3: I think if it's a pay-per-view-worthy fight, um, that maybe they would move toward the $100 um price tag you know and but i i I don't know that's above my pay grade uh you make it too much and uh i don't know that people will be willing to pay it um but that's the business side of the game that i'm not uh, qualified to godfather
4: every time they push the price of a pay-per-view up more people steal more people end up stealing the signal, watching it in Russian or Yiddish or something like that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I could care less. I'm not saying I steal broadcasts, but I could care less what the broadcasters are saying because boxing sort of self-explanatory. It's a 10-point must system. I can judge on my own. So I really don't care what the guys are speaking Chinese or whatever. It doesn't matter. But if I can save 100 bucks watching a fight on my computer, you know what? I hate to say it. I'm probably going to do it.
3: Well, you won't be alone. And, um that's another area i'm not uh <laughs> qualified <laughs> um for but the market will determine it you know i mean so instead of getting eight or ten of the people to come and watch the fight and share the cost um the poorer people will who are boxing fans will have 12 or 15 people come for the fight um I don't know how it weigh, weighs out in, in the end.
4: Okay, but we have those pay-per-view parties. We all got to wear masks, how can we stay six feet apart from one each other in the house? This is going to be listen. Life going forward in 2020 is going to be a little difficult.
3: Um, I could agree on that, no doubt uh, about uh, but it. Although, if I'm if I have to suffer for my art, I might as well be suffering in Santa Monica.
4: Oh, how lucky you are, you know, and I was saying to myself yesterday, I was standing in line, here I go, I was standing in line at Whole Foods, and I said to myself, if you're going to be standing in line somewhere to eat, you might as well stand in line at Whole Foods because it's sort of like your whole check, you're paying a whole lot of money. Godfather, you have a wonderful weekend. I mean, all the best. to you have any plans this week? you guys going to go out and drive up the coast, anything like that?
3: Um, no. Uh, I'm seeing more cars, and more and more cars on the road, so yeah. maybe we'll do it in the middle of the week, and I'll have my two grandkids over, or I'll go over and see them and and my daughter and her husband uh, who live nearby. Um, and that's a good way to celebrate this weekend.
4: Well, you have a wonderful weekend. Say hello to the God Mama for me. Of course, we'll talk about Patricia Stitch Merchant. Say hello to her for me. And all the best to you. I mean, have a great weekend. A great weekend. I look forward to talking to you next week. I thank you so much for your time each and every week. I know I say this, and I sound redundant, but without you, the show just wouldn't be the show, Godfather.
3: Well, thank you, and uh, you have a great weekend as well.
4: He is the one the only, folks. Larry Merch, of course, featured exclusively on Ring Talk Live Worldwide. After the break, we'll be talking, of course, about the world of mixed martial arts. It's hot. It's happening. I'm talking about Fight Island. Oh, Fight Island. That's happening. I don't know. Dana White's going to move the fight line. That's the best news to come out of the entire coronavirus is that Dana White will not be on American soil anymore. That's probably the best thing we can do. The biggest pimp of all time. I'm talking about, listen, no, no, not shady, shady Mel from Brooklyn or, or happy, happy Harry from Harlem. No, no, those guys aren't the biggest pimps in the world. Dana White is the biggest pimp in the entire world. There has never been a bigger pimp in history. I'm telling you, listen, Jorge Masterdale. Of course, he's a hot UFC fighter. Not wanting to be though, they didn't want him to be hot. They hoped he would be a flash in the pan. I'm talking about Dana White. But he puts him in this big fight in Madison Square Garden. He sells out the garden, a seven million dollar gate. Seven million dollars. The pay per view does over forty five million dollars, and he gets five hundred thousand dollars. Oh, oh! I mean, that would be like that would be like a pimp putting a hooker out in the street, and you know, you get one hundred and fifty dollars from that guy, and then you giving him five. No, no, giving her five. No, no. You take 145 bucks, she gets five bucks. That's the cut between the USC and the fighters. Eight to twelve percent of the purse go eight to 8% to twelve percent of the USC dollar goes to talent. Something's wrong with that. And of course, USC in all kinds of trouble right now. A 260 million dollar loan just a couple of weeks ago. Of course, they're 2.6 billion dollars in debt. 2.6 billion dollars in debt. They paid 4.1 billion dollars for the entire entity about a year and a half ago. Of course, I told you they overpaid for that. billion. That's $4,200 million. Are they out of their mind? Yes, they were, without a doubt. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide, baby, on Sports by Live. Atlanta, Georgia. Raleigh, North Carolina. But I
0: want to start
7: getting paid. Money.
13: Hey travelers, do you want to save money on your next flight? Then pick up the phone and call. That's right. Call. Because the best prices are not online. They're with SmartFares. See, SmartFares has special deals with the airlines. When they have unsold seats, they use SmartFares to fill them. So you get airline tickets at ridiculously low prices.
10: visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. Oh! Oh, he's, oh, he's oh, that
2: goal. What a finish for a Basman now! Oh, I imagine, oh, yes, a, a massive shot. knockout win! Wow. Now, more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez. Make a million, lose a man. That's the way it
5: goes. <laughs>
4: Mod Squad time. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Baby, you're inside. Look at the world of mixed martial arts. Talking MMA right now, of course. Talk about ESPN coming back on the 30th of May from the USC Apex Center in Las Vegas. That's their training facility down there. It is planned. Uh, it is sanctioned, I think, by the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Uh, as, it, as I take that back. They're going to have a meeting beforehand as to whether it's going to be official or not. But I don't think they'd be putting this out there if they didn't think they had a in with the Athletic Commission in Nevada. Of course, Lorenzo Fertita, the owner, former owner of the USC, a former Athletic Commission member, of course, he was a guy that smoothed the... Uh, he, he was the guy that opened the door for MMA in Nevada. Of course, Nevada was looked at and uh, looked at cage fighting as, as as barbaric and all this kind of good stuff. Then, of course, you know, a millionaire gets involved. And, of course, he's on the Athletic Commission. He owns a whole lot of casinos in Las Vegas, a palace casino stain, chain for one. I'm talking about Lorenzo and his brother, Frank Fertitta. Of course, they got together with Dana White and bought the UFC and, of course, sold the UFC for, as I said earlier, $4.2 billion. Man, whoever bought that, what can I say? Are you feeling it yet? Are you feeling like a winner yet? $4.2 billion, you 0.2 points $2.6 billion. You have to go out and borrow $260 million. Something's wrong with that. Anyway, bottom line is the UFC's been rocking and rolling, of course, the last few weeks. Of course, uh, Tony Ferguson, the guy with, you know, poured holy water on his wife. And then we were sort of down with that. We were all down with that. We were, remember? We were down with that because of the fact Fact that you know some women do deserve to have holy water poured on them on occasion. You know a few a rare minority, I understand, but there are a few devils in, in, in the in the female sector, no doubt about that. Anyway, Tony Ferguson gets lit up like the White House Christmas tree, of course, every round just the gate just beat him like boom, boom 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 like Santana and bongo drums, man. It's over and over again, of course, they stopped that in the 5th round. They probably should stop that a whole lot earlier. Even Dana White uh the the the, the uh the Fuhrer. He even thought so as well, but the bottom line is Tony Ferguson. What hmm, I say a little bit long in the tooth. He waited around too long. Too many injuries. Khabib didn't fight him. This didn't happen. That didn't happen. At the end of the day, he's old and he is now on the scrap heap as far as 155 pounds is concerned in the lightweight division in the UFC. No longer invincible. I'm talking about Tony Ferguson. Of course, I think on that same card, yeah, you saw it. I'm talking about ye, Francis Ngannou, took 20 seconds to knock out some hobo, and I told you, and the guy, I, 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 I was telling you before, and I said, listen, if ever there was a cinch pet in the history of combat sports, this was it! I mean, a stand-up kickboxer, a guy that stands straight up like a pole, a guy that stands like a pole, is gonna take on the most fearsome puncher in the history of mixed martial arts, and that includes boxing? Because I think that, I, I think that maybe this guy might hit the hardest of anybody ever. Ever, ever, ever. I'm talking about Francis Ngannou, ever, ever. He was a former profession, professional boxer. I think he originally out of Nigeria, fought in France for a little bit as a pro. So he can punch. There's no doubt about that. I mean, he hits guys and he doesn't hit them with really super hard punches and they, like, go to sleep or they go semi-conscious. What am I trying to tell you? I think he would be a force in the boxing division because of his punching power. Yeah, those guys would move around him and move around him. He'd probably be slow and ponderous, maybe a little bit like George Foreman was. But you saw what George Foreman did in 1994 to Michael Moore. I mean, Michael Moore, I remember me and Mike were on the phone like maybe two, three weeks before the fight. He was talking all kinds of smack. I mean, George Foreman, this Pedro, they should be ashamed putting me in the ring with this old dude. He's 45 years old, Pedro. You realize that? You know what I'm saying? I like, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. And I didn't think George had a chance. I thought, you know, Michael would go in there and outbox him. For the uh, for the distance and of course michael was doing well until he got until he fell into that trap and what happens is you do the same thing over and over and over again and you can predict what's happening george predicted it shot that uppercut and history uh is what it is anyway back to the world of mixed martial arts now um tired of the uh i'll oh, take that back alistair overing fought last week took on walt harris i think mean, i mentioned this before walt harris has got the name of course of the great broadcaster that uh, was on this show a couple times before he passed away. Of course, he did professional wrestling and roller derby for Channel 2 and Channel 40 here in Northern California. I miss Walt Harris. Anyway, this Walt Harris, his, his daughter just died. I, I think it was a homicide. And so it was an uh, ugly, 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 thing. Anyway, so he goes into this fight and he puts his, um, he, he dedicates this to to, to his daughter. And you're fighting Alistair Overeem, and although I think Overeem is like overrated to an extent, but he's been around a long time, 39 years old, of course, former Strike Force Grand Prix champion. I mean, he's in K1 uh, kickboxing champion back in 2010. So he's long in the tooth at 39, but he can still fight, he can still punch, and he comes in decent shape. And, you know, I mean, Walt Harris made one mistake in that fight, and he got knocked out in the second round. They should have stopped that one a little bit earlier, but a lot of pressure on Walt Harris, too much pressure, maybe. Um, your daughter's daughter's death and you dedicate the fighter and then you go out and get beat so you got to live with that for the rest of your life? I don't think so. I think Walt Harris should have took some time off and not fought uh, with the uh, death man that recent. Anyway, Claudia Gadea was in the co-feature. She beat Angela Hill on a split decision called 2-1 in rounds. That means 29-28 on these scorecards. Outside of that, there were no other fighters of note on the card that really (sighs) I get excited about. Of course, the UFC is like a bunch of guys that really don't matter anymore. That's what's happening here. 4.2 billion bucks. Where's the talent? I mean, pretty soon you're going to be digging digging Scott Cuddy up here from the production room, get him to go in there and fight these guys. He can't make the weight, though. Now, anyway, maybe maybe one seventy, not one fifty five. Anyway, what I'm trying to tell you is that the USC is hurting for superstars. I think that um, whoever, I mean them, them, get, get, them getting four thousand two hundred million dollars for that for that pink elephant, I think was in a, was the steal of the absolute century. And I'm talking about the 21st century. This one we're in right now, straight up. What a ripoff. Tyrone Woodley can take on Gilbert Burns. Of course, that's in a welterweight contest. The UFC coming back, I believe, on the 30th, of course. That will be UFC on uh, ESPN from the UFC Apex, like I said, in Las Vegas. <coughs> Don't know much about Gilbert Burns. Tyrone Woodley, former champion, of course. Also on the card, really nobody. I mean, a whole lot of names here. There nothing really jumps out at me. Actually, all the stars that USC UFC has, there aren't that many stars. There just aren't that many stars. I mean, where are they? Francis Ngannou is a big star. He should be headlining cards. You shouldn't make him number two or number three on a card. He should be the guy. He should be the guy. You should be. Listen, they tried to. They uh they, they marketed a, a a sports drink after the guy. I mean, they were they thought he was a little uh, beat. Stipe Miocic really bad. In fact, they they had an ambulance, wait, an extra ambulance waiting ringside uh, octagon side for Stipe Miocic, the world UFC heavyweight champion, of course, when he fought Francis Ngannou because. They thought Francis was going to kill him. I mean, it wasn't even going to be close. I mean, it was going to be how long could Stippy last? That was the whole thing there, right? Well, as long as Stippy lasted the first round, like I told you, he was going to be fine. And, of course, he lasted that first round, but he took a beating in that first round. But, but he lasted it. And then the big guy with all those big muscles, of course, inexperienced, not having a good ground game at that point. Tom, talking about Francis Ngannou, what's he do? He gasses. So for the next four rounds, you've got some guy uh,
15: uh, uh, uh,
4: gassing, and, and, you know, he got beat up. There's no doubt about that. So at the end of five rounds, we knew who was the, uh, that Sipi Miocic was still the world heavyweight champion. Of course, Miochik then fighting Cormier and losing and coming back and beating Cormier. And now, of course, he's coming off that detached retina operation. I guess they could do that a lot quicker than they used to in the old days because when Ray Leonard had a detached retina, I think he had to wait like two and a half, two years before he even thought about boxing again. And now guys are boxing in the blink of an eye. So boxing or MMA in the blink of an eye. And why did Sipi Miocic get that detached retina? Because the referee sucked so badly in that fight. That that rematch with uh, with Cormier, he allowed Cormier to use his open hands time and time again. You know, I'm screaming at the TV. I'm not. I'm screaming at the TV. Stop his open hands. Stop it. Because what he's doing, he's poking with his fingers. He's poking. He makes like he's reaching, but he's poking with his fingers. And you poke a guy in the eye, you detach his retina, that's what happens. You have to have surgery. That's not a good thing. I don't think guys should be able to have that open hand. In fact, if I was a... I I know they've got to have the open hand in order to grab guys and throw guys around and and, and that kind of stuff in order to grapple. They've got to have the open hand. But I'm against people having those fingertips and being able to use them like that. I mean, people used to say that... The old-time boxers used to thumb people and use that as a foul, but, you know, that, that's a bit of horse bit Now, if I remember, oh, the latest one, somebody sent me a, I was talking about Roberto Duran last week to talk about thumbing. I was talking about Roberto Duran last week or the week before, and somebody brought up the Davey Moore fight and said, oh, you know, Roberto Duran thumbed Davey Moore. You know what? That was 1983. I was at the uh, the, the Main Street Theater in Los Angeles, California. Hector martinez I went down there, flew down there to watch the fight on closed-circuit TV. I watched that fight a thousand times. Duran didn't thumb him. I mean, come on, man. You guys still reaching? this same people reaching for Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. You know, Deontay got called too much or, you know, Deontay didn't get bit. Didn't Deontay. Anyway, let's take it, to the, take it to the Ring Talk phone lines of bringing Richard. Richard, where are you calling from? Oh,
16: a place
4: called Wheeling, West Virginia. Right on, man. Wheeling, West Virginia. Welcome to the show. What can I do for you?
16: Uh, I just heard you talking about Wilder and uh, Fury. Yeah. Now, I, just t- I think I heard you talking about it yesterday, that there was going to, boxing was going to be on last night. So I was looking around to see where I could find it, and I found it on FS1. Now, it said it was, uh, wow, Wild- it was uh, Fury, Wilder 2.
5: Mm-hmm.
16: How many fights did they have?
4: They had two thus far. The first one was, like, December of uh, 2018, 2018, and, of course, then they come back and they did the rematch, like, 13, 14 months later.
16: Is that the one where I can't remember? One of them showed Wilder on his, or not Wilder, but uh, Fury on his back. And the uh, opponent said, I thought he killed him. Was that Wilder? Was yeah, that, that was
4: Wilder and Fury, and I, I thought he killed him. I mean, there was no, mo- I mean, there was no motion in his body. There was no breathing. I couldn't see a heart beating through his chest. I thought he was dead. And what happens, he rises like the Undertaker in some WWE event, and before you know it, he's up, and he's licking. I think Wilder was surprised. He, he obviously was surprised because he took a whooping for the rest of that round. Tyson Fury came back and beat on him.
16: Was that the first fight?
4: That's the first fight. And the second fight, of course, Fury dominated him and stopped him inside the distance.
16: That second fight that I was watching, I almost turned it off. I mean, all they did was hold each other. If you talk about the top 1,000 fights in history, I don't think I would make it. That fight was absolutely horrible. And I'm surprised that uh, I didn't see where Wilder... Maybe Fury must be that uh, strong of a puncher, must be even... Tougher than Ernie Shavers because he didn't look like he got hit that much. It was a terrible fight. If that's the one that they promoted you had to pay for, I'm surely glad I didn't pay for it. You think that fight was uh, anything to be. It certainly wouldn't be in the top 100 greatest heavyweight fights. It's not even close. It's terrible.
4: No, but but it it has significance because of the fact that Fury was denied the title in the first time around. I mean, he beat Wilder the first time around, except for the two knockdowns, I think in the ninth and the twelfth rounds, outside of those two rounds, Fury had dominated that fight in my in my book and should of won on the scorecard. So he didn't get it the first time. They did it the second time, and you know Deontay Wilder he got punked with a body shot. It's not too often you see a heavyweight get knocked down with a body shot. He's an American. He got knocked down by a body shot. I mean, okay, so that's like the ultimate punking. If that was the one
16: that they promoted, that uh, I've actually only seen <clears throat> two fights live. And uh, the first one, I mean, was the greatest of all time, Ollie Fraser. I saw that one. But uh this this fight here
3: well, I promise
16: I'd never go see another one after they had uh <coughs> what was that guy's name, he's a champ um uh, I can't think of who it was. Well, you know what,
4: I pre- Richard, I appreciate the call, all the best to you, but if, if you've got to go all the way back to Ali Frazier for a great heavyweight fight, you're not watching enough boxing. You are tuning to Ring Talk, live worldwide, you're inside looking to the world of boxing and MMA, as I said, the UFC rock and a row, and your UFC Fight Night 176 scheduled for June 13th, they've got that... Tentatively planned. They don't have any card. They don't have a card yet. USC 250 is going to go down uh, June the sixth. They haven't got a, an event yet. I guess they're going to try to do all the stuff in Las Vegas if Nevada ends up approving them. in a couple of days, of course, when they have this big uh, uh, meeting. And of course, Amanda Nunes. She will be the headliner if that card goes off. Talk about the women's featherweight champion, 145 pounds, and the women's bantamweight champion. She was a two division champion. <clears throat> She's taking on Felicia Spencer. All I can say about Felicia is. Good luck. Um, and the co-feature another couple of names we never heard of: Ian Heincht and Gerald uh, Macharavi. The bottom line is Charles Bird and Mucky Mctolo. In other words, Alex Perez. You ever heard of these names? you going to pay 50 60 bucks to watch his card, 100 bucks to watch his card and pay in uh, high definition? I don't think so. I don't think so. Good luck on that one, Dana. You are tuned to Ring Talk, the longest-running fight show in history. Ring Talk live worldwide airs Saturday and Sundays, live at 11 a.m. Pacific, and that's 2 p.m. Eastern Time, live on Sports Byline, iHeartRadio, Series XM, Satellite Radio, Channel 211, and of course, the SB Nation Sports Network as well. You are tuned to Ring Talk live worldwide. Yes, I am, Mr.
1: Big Stuff.
10: Nah. Mm-hmm. Do you th-
13: products they offer. Increased income is possible using strategies suited to your goals and may require buying multiple annuities and holding them full term.
2: Now more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez. Should I go to the police station? The
8: darkest of night with the moon shining bright. There's a step going strong, a
0: lot of things going on. The man of the hour has an air of great power. The dudes have ended him for so long. Oh,
4: the super. When I was a kid growing up, there was one guy that bullied me. And I waited, and I waited, and I waited. And I got myself in shape, and I waited. And I kicked the snot out of him. Everybody knows who Tony Barnett was, okay? He was neighborhood bully. No doubt about that. I endured his smack for a few years, and finally I said, it's got to come to an end. I put it to an end. Anyway, what I'm trying to tell you is... I sort of got back at the bully, okay? Now people are being bullied on, uh, via cyberbullying and this kind of good stuff on the Internet, you know, like putting... Yeah, anyway, bottom line is the latest victim of uh, cyberbullying happens to be a professional wrestler, Hana Kimura. She was on a Netflix TV show. She took her own life. I can't believe it. She did it this week. She said that so many people sent her a, a barrage of hate and negativity that was sent her way on, online that she killed herself. Well, listen, girl. I know you're dead now, but if you were alive to listen to me and you were weak enough to kill yourself because somebody's blowing you up with emails and that kind of good stuff, go get a life! Oh, you just took your life. Shame on you. You're tuned to Ring Talk, live, worldwide. You're inside. Look at the world of boxing and MMA. This is hour number one of two. Hour number two, of course, will feature... Boxing and MMA, myself, Pedro Fernandez, and I'll bring in the AWB, the Average White Band Lead Singer, a big boxing fan, a friend of mine. We go back 25 years talk about Mr. Brent Carter. Brent Carter, of course, formerly of Tower of Power, and now with the Average White Band. So, we'll talk a little history, a little boxing with Brent. We'll have a good time. Hour number two, forthcoming on the yeah, on these sports by live broadcasts. They were, and I got this, yeah, yeah, yeah listen, Lee, I got this. Yes, I am bold and cocky. I'm always bold and cocky when I'm awake. Only time I'm not bold and cocky is when I'm sleeping. Did I say that before? I'm saying it again because somebody asked. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Stay tuned for hour number
2: two. Because
11: I love you so.
13: Radio News with Wendy King.
9: New York Governor Andrew Cuomo says the state will get back up and running soon, but it will be in a methodical way.
10: We've been talking about reopening and how we proceed with reopening. It's been different in different regions all across the state. Uh, We have criteria all across the state that applies to every region. There is no variance in
9: the criteria region from region. There is no political difference. There is no Uh, uh, local differences. He has also announced that people can gather in groups of 10. The mayor of Los Angeles, Eric Garcetti, says restaurants can offer curbside service.
1: We know that this relies on our individual actions to keep our distance from people, to wear a face covering, to wash our hands. This is USA
9: Radio News. The body of nine-year-old Alejandro Ripley has been found in a Florida canal after his mother reported she was kidnapped. Miami-Dade State's Attorney Catherine Fernandez-Rundle says the boy was not abducted. She says his mother killed him.
2: The tragic loss of the life of a nine-year-old boy and the loss really of any young life leaves all of us grieving. This boy's senseless, senseless death will stay with all of us.
9: North Texas has been pounded by storms. They've had large hail and tornadoes that are causing severe damage in the area. At least 50 businesses and dozens of homes have been damaged in the town of Bowie on Friday night. But no deaths or significant injuries have been reported. Wichita Falls was hit with hail the size of golf balls. Winds in the area were clocked at 90 miles an hour, causing structural damage in many places. You're listening to USA Radio News.
16: At the American Veterinary Medical Association Annual Convention in Washington, D.C., I spoke with Dr. John Howe, AVMA president, about One Health. One
15: Health is really a collaboration between physicians and veterinarians or public health officials. For example, in Minnesota, our state public health veterinarian deals with zoonotic diseases, rabies, for example. Animals are sentinels for humans, and humans are sentinels for some
9: infections in animals. There's more valuable information at avma.org. President Trump says he expects the economy to come back very quickly, but a top advisor says that may not mean the job market will recover as quickly as the economy. With more, here's USA's Chris Barnes.
5: A White House economic advisor says expect the jobless rate to rise again when the numbers for May come in.
8: That You'll end up with a number north of 20 percent in May.
5: But advisor Kevin Hassett says things should start getting better by the middle of the summer.
8: Since there's still initial claims for unemployment insurance in May, that the unemployment rate will be higher in June than in May, but then after that it should start to trend down.
5: Hassett was speaking on CNN's State of the Union. For USA Radio News, I'm Chris Barnes.
9: A Hall of Fame NBA coach has passed away, and USA's John Hunt has the story.
5: Jerry Sloan, the Hall of
12: Fame coach who was a fixture for decades in Utah and took the Jazz to the NBA Finals in 97 and 98, passed away at the age of 78. The Jazz said he died from complications of Parkinson's disease and dementia. Sloan had been in failing health for many years. He spent 23 seasons coaching in Utah, the team with John Stockton and Carl Malone leading the way in most of those seasons. He finished below 500 only once. Sloan won 2,221 games in his career, the fourth highest total in NBA history. For USA Radio News, I'm John Hunt.
2: And gentlemen, Live from the West Coast, it's time for Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Your inside look into combat sports.
1: So
11: let it be written,
1: so let it be done.
2: Brought to you by the WBO, the World Boxing Organization. Pull up some dust and sit down. And now the host of the longest running fight show in radio and internet history.
12: I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior I engaged in.
2: Pedro Fernandez. My advice to you, start drinking heavily. Mm
4: -hmm. Damas y caballeros, bienvenidos, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Ring Talk Live Worldwide, emanating, coming at you from the multi-million dollar Sports Byline Studios here in San Francisco, California. Yes, the man was correcting that lofty introduction. My name is Pedro and of course, the reigning undisputed heavyweight champion of the regular race. So glad you could join me for this hour, number two of Ring Talk Live Worldwide, the Sunday edition, of course, comes to you live on Sports Byline iHeartRadio Series XM Satellite. SP Nation Sports and a plethora of other internet platforms. We're talking boxing MMA in this hour, of course. We're talking a little boxing history as well. Of course, we've got our house and We'll go to Bill in a little bit. Straight up, all kinds of boxing MMA for the next hour here on Sports File. And you can join us on the toll free if you dare. 1-800-878-7529. That's 1-800-878-7529. Of course, the guilt free, no commitment text line. That number, 415. 415- Two seven five one six one three. That's four one five two seven five. 1613. One, Top rank looking to come back June the 9th of course was Shakur Stevenson, one of the future stars of boxing, no doubt about that. This kid is really talented as I said earlier. If he can stay out of trouble outside of the ring, he will be a star inside of the ring. Of course, it's going to go down June the 9th from the MGM brand in Las Vegas on ESPN and ESPN Plus. Of course, the UFC's got a deal, I hope to have a deal with Nevada evidently. That's all going to be determined by an athletic commission meeting coming up in the next week. You are tuned to Ring Talk live on Sports Byline, iHeartRadio, SiriusXM, Satellite Radio, and of course, the American Forces Network. This is Ring Talk live worldwide.
17: Do you have a story to share? Your story. Lifetime private autobiography services can help. We will interview you by video or phone to get your memories in your words using your pictures. Our staff of talented writers will then recreate your story into a beautifully handcrafted book. You'll receive 10 individual copies for friends and family to enjoy for generations to come. Visit privateautobiography.com to schedule a free consultation. Mention this ad for a bonus audio recording from your personal interviews. To get started, visit privateautobiography.com or call 844-921-2802. That's 844-921-2802. Remember and be remembered with this gift of a lifetime.
1: The TVS Television Network. For decades, your home for great sports TV is back.
6: You can watch six TVS sports channels now streaming on watchyour.tv. It's free and it's on the internet as well as on Roku, Android, and iPhone and iPad apps. Watch TVS Sports Network, TVS Classic Sports Network, TVS Turbo Sports Network, TVS Women's Sports Network, TVS Tavern Sports Network, and TVS Boxing Network. That's TVS Television Network. Six free channels at watchyour.tv.
2: Now more ring talk with Pedro Fernandez.
4: You're tuned to Ring Talk live worldwide. Hour number two, of course, of the Sunday edition. Sunday, eleven a.m. Pacific time, two p.m. Eastern time. But for my folks in Honolulu, Hawaii, of course, eight o'clock in the morning back there in the 50th state. Straight up, this is. <laughs> I'm getting. Right, I'll go straight to the text here. Before I, I've got a guest, of course, we'll go with Brent Carter in a couple minutes. But I've got a, a couple of texts coming in here, and we'll go to some history before we. Uh, Get to Mister Carter here, and I, I'm not going to answer this. This one from Minnesota, I, I can't answer it on the air. I think that's a little bit, a little bit too crude. And I'm not even try to go with that. Um, bottom line is, do I think's the hottest fighter in the world right now? Probably Tyson Fury. I mean, come on, he's got the command of the entire world. He's the world heavyweight champion. He came off that beating of uh, uh, of Deontay Wilder, of course, uh, a few months ago. I mean, he's still. If he wasn't locked up as far as his quarantine concerned, I think he'd be making headlines. Of course, he's talking about fighting Anthony Joshua in his next fight and making Wilder step aside. Of course, that's been the ploy all along for Wilder to step aside and get step-aside money. In other words, he has this rematch clause, and you put this rematch clause in there— and you're really going to want the rematch because you got beat up so bad the second time, you know, that Tyson Fury should have been arrested for domestic violence. I mean, the cops should have been waiting for him. They should have hooked him up when he got out of the ring. You should have been no post-fight press conference. He should have went to jail for beating Deontay Wilder up that bad. And then he punked him out by knocking him down with a body shot. I mean, in all the history of heavyweight boxing, and I go back a little ways, maybe not to the Jack Dempsey days, but I go back a little ways. I can't ever remember seeing a film, a heavyweight film of a heavyweight champion being punked out and knocked down by a body shot. Now, if I'm wrong, correct me. Send me a text, 415-275-1613. That's 415-275-1613. And, yes, I was into the fist bump before Obama did it. Why? Because I'm a bit of a germ freak. And Archie Moore told me in 1992, Archie Moore, of course, that's when I started that started that almost fight between him and the other legendary light heavyweight champion, Bob Foster. When, when you know, when when I told when Bob Foster, told me Archie Moore couldn't hit me in the ass with a ping pong paddle. So I went in the other room and I was sitting down with Archie Moore. I said, you know, Bob Foster just told me you couldn't hit him in the ass with a ping pong paddle. Well, Archie got up and took his cufflinks off. I thought it was a joke at first. He took his cufflinks off. I said, man, you know, the old man's bluffing, right? No, no. Then he took his hat off. As wait, wait, just getting a little serious here. Then he took his tie off. Whoa, 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 Archie, 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 got stop, stop. No, no, man, I'm going, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to take care. Anyway, back to Archie Moore and the hygiene. The fight didn't happen between him him and Bob Foster, thank God. Of course, that was in Kansas City, New York, 1992, International Boxing Hall of Fame. But Moore did tell me about the fist bump, this and that, and why he did the fist bump. Because you never know where where somebody's hands have been, son. And I think he's got a point there. So I was doing this stuff long before the Obama bump. And now, of course, the coronavirus, now it's an elbow bump. I don't even want to touch elbows, anybody. sorry, babe. I just don't want to. Unless you're my old lady, I don't even want to touch you. At the end of the day... You got to be cautious. Got to be safe. Speaking of safe and cautious, one of the boldest dudes in the world of uh, vocals. I'm talking about former lead singer for Tower of Power, of course, the current singer of the Average White Band, aka A.W.B. I'm telling Mister Brent Carter's in the house. Brent, how's life treating you, my brother?
18: Uh, life is treating me pretty good, man. How are you doing?
4: I'm doing okay. I'm surviving. I'm, of course, I'm I'm soloing, and and I you know I don't I've had a life. I have a lifestyle. If you, how can I put this? I go to the gym, I go to the gym, I work out, and I go to the grocery store and I eat food. And that's probably about it. So I really don't have to be hanging out with people and doing all kinds of crazy stuff during this social distancing thing. And I think it was so cool that you guys came out with that social distancing version of what is hip to sort of show that everybody can still be hip, but we could be doing it via social distancing.
18: Right. You could do it. it was, You know what? It was just basically, you know, all of us, we, we travel when, you know, when we're working. Hmm. So we're all home doing nothing. I'm basically a loner anyway, so I'm I'm good by myself. But, you know, weeks at home, you got nothing to do. And um, you know, I had the track sitting around, so I just, you know, I hit up a few guys to see who wanted to be down. And we just do it together. And uh, it was kind of hip. You know, people seemed to like it, so it was cool.
4: You know, we 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 got together for that fight card in Detroit. Of course, you brought your family members in there for Nassim yes. Ahmed, and that was a memorable night, no doubt about that. And I mean, I look back at it. It's hard. Was that 1997? No. 2004? No, it was
18: was 2002 2002? or 2003. Wow. Yeah. That's when I was the king of
4: Motown. That's when I had it going on in Motown, baby. I had it (laughs) going. Yeah, I did. Hey, you know what's so cool about Motown is that... Um, I'm known to smoke a little cannabis now and then. And the guy that with that the guy you know that and the guy that um that that ran the funeral parlor right next to Hitsville, USA. I'm talking about the Motown Studios. His name was Frank. Frank, I think it was Frank, Frank, anyway, so I used to hang out with him when I went to Detroit and he would tell me all these Motown stories, man. It was like, oh God. And Emmanuel would say to me, why are you going to, Emmanuel had never been, Emmanuel Stewart, a Detroit native, native, never been to Hittsville, USA, never been down there, said he was going to go with me time and time again, never went. But he said, why do you go there? Why do you keep going down there to Motown, man? Because I was hanging out with the dude next door, but he told me so many different Motown <laughs> stories. I mean, he's a, he's a, he was a funeral director. I don't know if you ever been to Hitsville, USA, Brent, but right next door to Barry Gordy's house there on Grand Boulevard was a funeral parlor. It's still there.
18: Wow! No, um, when we went there, the band all went there one day, and I was, you know, I was resting my voice, so I didn't go. But I'm gonna have to make it there next time I go to Detroit. I'm in Detroit a couple of times a year, hey. but um. Do you remember that night Kevin Kelly was there? I mean, yeah. You know, we all, we all, we went to dinner afterwards. It was, that was a good night talking to everybody.
4: Well, that, you know, it, 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 it was old school boxing still. I mean, it was old school boxing yeah. still. And, you know, I mean, the old school guys were still around. Talk talking about Bob Arum and, and Don King guys that were still running boxing. And, you know, now we're it, 2020, 15 years faster. And I guess there's still Don Kings and Bob Arums around. Of course, Bob Arum's still rock and rolling, 86 years old, man. You got to give him some, got to give him some props.
18: Yeah, you gotta give him for profit staying in the game that long. But what I do like that's different now, um, is that boxers are doing promoting now and boxers I mean, it's great to see uh, you know, um Mayweather and, and uh Dela Hoya's company and seeing all those guys in the ring, seeing boxers profit from boxing. Well, you, you know, know my- I, that's something that I, I like. Yeah.
4: Well, my big knock on the USC, and, of course, having been a former policeman here in San Francisco, I know some a little bit about pimps and hoes. And um, I know that the, the current USC structure, the way it's laid out, is that 8 to 12% of the pay, uh, of the USC dollar goes to the talent. So that means if I was a pimp and I was working my hoes in San Francisco, do you think I could tell them to go out there and charge $100 and give them 8 bucks? couldn't go couldn't 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 do it but you have to do it in the ufc because you got no other way out i think it's a cold world i think it's a monopoly i think the Dana white's the biggest pimp in the
18: history of the world he really is and i'm just hoping that um maybe maybe a couple of um, maybe delahoya i mean i think he wants to go up against them you know all, all it is is branding and if you can get somebody another brand you know they. You know they tried pride or whatever. Mm-hmm. But all you need is another brand to go up against them. And if you start, you know, make some money, you start paying the top fighters more money. Then you know they'll have to. They'll they'll have to come to the table that people won't fight for them anymore. But, but you Cause, know, I mean that's. That's where the big money is now, is in UFC. You know,
4: yeah, but what kills me is that the UFC put, the name is bigger than the fighter. I never understood that. Right. The world heavyweight champion is Stipe Miocic, right? But you know, people don't know that. People know the UFC heavyweight championship. They don't know the, the Miocic thing. So, like, you know the world heavyweight champion of boxing is Tyson Fury and, and maybe Anthony Joshua of uh, some sanctioned bodies. But what I'm trying to say is you know the difference, and in, in the athlete gets paid for what he represents in boxing, but in in the UFC, man, eight to twelve percent. Can you imagine a promoter? I mean, you're a musical act, bro. You're blowing into town. You bring your band into town. You guys like sell the joint out, and the promoter's going to give you eight percent of the house.
18: Yeah, I guess. I guess that's what they have to deal with. You know, that's you know, it's i guess yeah. Other than that, they they you know they'll still be fighting in backyards like they were doing a couple of years ago.
4: Well, you know, you know? I mean, my man, um, uh, Jorge Masvidal, of course, the, the pirate of the UFC, was fighting in backyards with Kimbo Slice on YouTube years ago and right. that kind of stuff, but he's refined his skills. He sold out MSG, he sold out The Garden, right across from the Penta Hotel, wow. Pennsylvania. He sold out The Garden, and he did $42 million, I think, in pay-per-view money, as far as the company was concerned, and he got $500,000.
18: I guess that's the way Dana White wants it. He doesn't want them to be stars. He wants to be the star of the show, and um, and just keep on making all the money. It's highway robbery, but I mean, I mean, the boxing was like that, you know, to to some extent years ago, where the promoter made all the money, and even if you did sign for a, a good check, by the time you know, the promoter, I won't even say his name, you know, started taking your money out for training. Are you trying to hotels, throw? Are you, are you and, throwing rocks with my buddy Don King? Uh, I didn't say any names. Oh. Saying, by the time, by the time you got, by the time you you charge everybody, the guy made the seven million dollar check. He goes away with, you know, four hundred thousand
4: dollars. Oh, oh, oh! Brent Carter on boxing. You're tuning to Ring Talk live worldwide.
12: Don't wait another minute to see if you may qualify for your Social Security disability benefits. Call Pinnacle Disability Group at 800-593-7491 for your free case evaluation. That's 800-593-7491. 800-593-7491. Call now. Now more of Ring Talk with
2: Pedro
5: Fernandez. Come on, everybody. It's time to ask the ultimate eternal question, social distancing style. What is HIP? Big Green. Larry Bragg.
4: Man, that is a, quite an ensemble there of Tower of Power lead singers, of course, put together by Brent Carter, the What Is Hip Social Distancing, doing well on YouTube, no doubt about that. Check it out. What Is Hip Social Distancing style on YouTube.com. Now, Brent Carter, I'm looking at the internet here, and it says, Brent Carter is among the most criminally unsung singers of soul. Criminally unsung. What does this writer mean by that? Do you know?
18: <laughs> I think he means, well, you know what that is, you know. I, I paid somebody to do my biography. And, uh, that's what he does for a living. So, but he wrote that I'm one of those guys that you know people might know my voice or hear me on stuff, but you know walk past you every day and have no idea what you do. You okay,
4: know? okay, good point. I'll tell you what's
18: funny. Like that, like like um, did a concert in Atlanta maybe about six seven years ago, and and a couple of days later, got together with someone you know a couple of guys who you know our kids play football together. And they were like, "Man, we just saw an average white man. I swear to God, that dude looked exactly like you."
1: <laughs> I, said,
18: I said, "Come on, man, that was me." That was like you lying. He said, "He did look like you." That's what I was like, "He said, man, I didn't know you were an average white man." I said, "Yeah, we've been friends all this time." I said, "But I don't know what you do either." So you know, people people around people that know me don't even know you know, nor do they care what i do so
4: you know i've been all over the world i've been to 34 countries you've probably been to more than that but the my, the number one spot in the entire world for me is cali columbia where is the number one spot for brent carter in the world
18: the number one spot in the world well i love the restaurants in san francisco
4: uh-huh. uh, so
18: san francisco's one of the places well then again i don't even know if they're still there because they're so expensive um Ooh. i like new orleans and um i like paris i like amsterdam Okay. Amsterdam, I like too. But you're not a you, you would sh- love Amsterdam.
4: I, 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 I was in Amsterdam once. Check this out. We went to uh, we did a thing in in Spain with uh, with Don King. We were in Spain with Don King, and I said to him, "I'm going go to Amsterdam. Stay away from those, Pedro. Stay away from those." <laughs> okay, 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 Don. I, I couldn't wait to get there. Right. Anyway, but the bottom, <laughs> up, but the bottom line was. Um, they, they had, there was like, there was weed and there was hash available, all this kind of good stuff. So we got on the boat. We're going back. We got in this little boat. We're going back to uh, to Spain. And, and and Don was Don came with us, but he didn't partake or anything like that. He was like, rummaging rummaging around Holland with us and this and that. But it was it was quite an adventure. And everybody knew who he was. I mean, there was just no. It
18: was so sort of wow. like it was like traveling with Ali. That hair, you know. What wow. I mean, everywhere, everywhere
4: we went, that man. You know what?
18: He's he's the original brander guy. I mean, he's a brand. Don King is a genius at that. He knew about branding long before everybody else, long before Michael Jordan. He, you know, he put his hair up and he, you know, he started talking his stuff and, and he's a brand and he's, you know, he, I, but I, I, and I don't have no hate for Don King. He, he, every dollar he has, he, he made it. You, so, you, hey.
4: you know, I'll say this and people, people knock him. You know, I worked for him. I'm worked around him. I mean, I enjoyed his wisdom. Did he scream at me a couple of times? Yeah. Did I have it coming a couple of times? More than a couple of times. Anyway, but the bottom line was um, he paid me well. He hired a nanny for my daughter when, when I did events wow. for him. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, he did the whole nine yards. Don went out there and listen, he made sure it was done. It wasn't like, hey, Pedro. I mean, it wasn't like he had some schlep do it. He would say to me, hey, did he get that nanny thing together? oh wow that's cool yeah and people think hes people think listen you gotta go with the way people treat you I'm not Tim Witherspoon right. okay I did not right. and, and, and a lot of people bring up that Witherspoon thing but you have to realize that Witherspoon got about four or five hundred thousand dollars in fronts you I mean you can't wow. get you can't get i mean if you get a million dollar purse and you get five hundred K in fronts and you only got, and you got 500k left. I mean, then you got to pay your taxes. You got to pay this, you pay that. You got to pay your manager. Yeah, you got to pay your manager, and of course, managers and trainers and cut men and all that kind of good stuff. Um, dentist. Yeah. <laughs> your <laughs> dentist. Hopefully, not your dentist. Hopefully not. Hey, so what do you think about Mike Tyson coming back? Larry Murch is not too amused
18: by it. That is the most ridiculous. You know what the, the worst thing about it is the people around him encouraging him. That, that's, a, that's a damn man. 20 years ago, his, his reflexes were shot. How's he going to come back at 53? And the thing is, you know, what, and this is what I try to tell people. You know, he, he can walk down the street. He can beat me up. He can beat you up. He can beat up people who aren't professional fighters. But if he goes in there against anybody, he's going to get killed. He's not, he, and I said to someone, I said, Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. Do you think that he could lose weight and go down to 210 pounds and start playing professional basketball again right now at his age? Absolutely not. You know, and and, and I said, what I think happens is that, you know, he, he looks at boxing on TV, and when he sees it, he can see what um, Wilder's going to throw before he throws it. He can see what Tyson Fury throws. He he can see it, and he and he knows what he would do. But if you get in that ring, you can see it, but you're not, his reflexes will be gone. And he's just he'll be thinking it, but his, his arms won't be moving. He'll get killed. Ridiculous. People need to tell him, look, Mike, we love you. He's got to, you know stop being around a bunch of yes people, that that agree with everything you say. Look, Mike, we love you. You had your time. Go train somebody, you know, and keep working out. But you can't get in there and fight. You know he's going to get carried out out of the (coughs) ring, and everybody's going to talk about. We knew he shouldn't have done it. I was only he 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 shouldn't get out there.
4: I was only four years removed, and I said to myself, "Well, I'm going to get myself back in shape. I'm going to get to the pool. I get my hands fast. I hold on years. I do the road work. I run the hills. I'm getting ready." I went back to the gym, and I got licked like a stamp. Yeah, I was old, man. Oh, and you're right as far as pulling that trigger is concerned, because the dude's right there, and you're sitting there looking at the guy before the bell rings. You're saying to yourself, "This dude's a chump." This is going to be easy. You know what I'm saying? And then you find yourself in there fighting for
18: your life. Right. And and that's the thing. He might be in great shape. And his mind, I'm sure, when he's watching stuff, you know, when he's watching it on TV, he's like he's about to throw a left hook. All he's got to do is step to the side and hit him here. But his he'll, he'll be thinking that, but he'll get killed. His, his reflexes aren't there to be fighting and he'll get hurt. You, you know he'll be he'll get hurt. He'll be wind up like Jerry Quarry. You, you know, know be a damn
4: shame. Yeah, Quarry. No, no. It was his birthday last week. Um, Larry Holmes told me one time. He said that that you can. He said it's too bad you couldn't sit back. And uh, and be ten years older when you ret- uh, ten years older while you're boxing. As soon as he goes, he goes because I know now I'm, I know more about boxing after I retired than I did ever when I was boxing because I got to be able to right. sit down and think about it and put it in, in, in a different perspective. in this and that. and he's got a whole he's got a whole lot of points because I used to come up with all these different training ideas after I was
18: retired. Right, right, and you know there's only only one person that was just like a phenom when, when he got older. I think is Bernard Hopkins. Who, you know, he stayed in shape. He always and he never took a lot of punches either, you know. So Bernard Hopkins could fight well into his forties. But even him, you know, you know, when he got older, you know, <laughs> the guy from Long Island knocked him out. Joe Calzag Joe yeah, Calzaghe almost killed
4: head.
18: him. Yeah, smashed his freaking head on the cement. And he's in great shape. You know? Come on, they, you know. I I I, I think it's ridiculous, and and everybody's gassing up Mike Tyson on Facebook, saying he can beat these guys. He can he cannot beat these guys. He just go out there and get hurt. And I and I, I and I, you know, I love Mike Tyson. That's the last thing I want to see is him get carried out of the ring.
4: Okay, Brent Carter, lead singer of the Average White Band (AWB). How there, are, there aren't any record stores anymore? How, do, how how do bands sell records? Do you sell records?
18: You know what? I'll tell you this: We sell CDs. Um, with the Average White Band. We sell them at the gigs. When I, And no, no knock to Tower Power. I love Tower Power. Uh, you know, it's my start. But we did. We were on Epic Records. You got your money up front, a little bit of whatever you got. And that was it. You never got any other money. Um, and the, at eight, uh, Tower, they sell their, their gear and stuff at the gigs. And we sell our stuff at the gigs. And, you know, we, and, and we actually get money from it. I make more money on the CDs that we sell at the gigs than I ever made before. So, I mean, people download stuff. Basically, when you put out a, a, a product now, you know, especially, I guess, our generation, you know, you just want it for promotion so that people come to the shows. And when people come to the shows, we have tons of um, CDs to sell. And, you know, sometimes like when we're in, you know, in England, there's a line, you know, going on forever. We can sell a couple of hundred, you know, 300 CDs in a night. In San Mateo, you know, and there's everybody... a line. Yeah. So, we, you know, we wind we up doing, you know. We wind up, you know, making pretty good money on the CD sales. You know, you know, so that's how that's how you make them now. You know, doing it like that. Okay. You know, but you guys out in California, like too short. You know, they're, they're the original guys selling it out of the uh, selling records out of the trunk of a car. <laughs> you know, Clark- they invented that, that. game. Yeah, I you know. I you got to respect that.
4: I got to wrap things up here, man. It's always a pleasure talking to you. I mean, you're I respect you as a man, I respect you as a father, a husband, a singer. What can I say, man? You get. Nothing but accolades from Pedro Fernandez and you know that.
18: Appreciate you, brother. And uh tell uh Lenny Williams I said hey. Oh, I know. I, I, I already <laughs> I, I
4: know. I know. I, I listen, <laughs> man. I listen. Everybody's an individual. You know that.
18: Yeah, but you know, but he's the king though. I know he's, he's the a, best. He's the best that ever done it. Well, you he, know. the whole point I is got but love and respect for Lenny Williams.
4: I can't say nothing about that. I'm just going to keep it between you and me, but I love you, Brent. Love
18: you right back, brother. You be safe.
4: The great Brent Carter on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network. My name is Pedro Fernandez. This is Ring Talk Live Worldwide. You're inside looking the world of boxing and MMA, of course. We come to you Saturday and Sundays, 11 a.m. Pacific time, 2 p.m. Eastern time, 8 o'clock in Honolulu, Hawaii, of course, live on Sports Byline, iHeartRadio, Sirius XM, Satellite Radio, and of course, the American Forces Network and SB Nation Sports. Straight up, this is Ring Talk Live Worldwide. If it feels right.
1: Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Get your vehicle ready for Memorial Day weekend. Stop by O'Reilly
15: Auto Parts for five quarts of Valvoline full synthetic motor oil and a Wix filter for just $33.99. Plus, get a $15 gift card after mail-in rebate. Protect your engine and keep it running smooth with Valvoline full synthetic. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts,
14: better prices every day. Oh, oh. Sometimes, you know, sometimes racism works out in black people's favor. Now, it doesn't happen often. It happens very rarely, but when it happens, it is fing sweet. <laughs> I'm serious. One time racism saved my life, man. I was I was on a plane. I, I was coming I was coming from overseas and uh I don't know how this guy got a machine gun on the plane? But he stood up, man. He said, everybody,
16: get on the f***ing ground.
17: Nobody look at my face.
14: (laughs) I started freaking out. Because he was Chinese. I was like, why is he talking like that? (laughs) He was screaming and crying. I was the only brother on the plane. I I thought I was the only brother. I looked over. There was one other black dude. He was from Nigeria. I looked over to him. He was looking right in my face, man. He didn't say two words to me. He just looked at me. He was like... (laughs) (laughs) he didn't need to talk I knew just what he was talking about I looked right back at him I was like, some white dudes on the front of the plane seen us and were like oh my god I think those black guys are going to try to save us Mm -mm. we were just communicating that we understood the situation we were both seeing the same thing What we understood was simple. Terrorists don't take black hostages. (laughs) That's the truth. I have yet to see one of us on the news reading the hostage letters. (laughs) Um, mm. They is treating us good. Uh, We all chilling and (laughs) sh. I'd like to give a shout out to Ray Ray and Big Steve and uh, new Leopold. You're not gonna see it. They know it was black people's bad bargaining chips. <laughs> they called the White House and say, Hello. We have got five blood Hello.
2: Now more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez.
11: Clap your hands, sir. Stop being racist. Clap your hands.
4: From AWB to the Tower of Power, of course, Brent Carter wanted the only guy ever to be lead singer for both bands. Man, both Tower of Power, of course, he he celebrated, he was with Tower for most of the 1990s, took over for Tommy Bowes, I think in 1994, 1995. And of course, it went on in separate ways. And, of course, he's now the lead singer for the Average White Band. He's been with them, I think, for about 15 years as well. Of course, Brent's never unemployed. He's always working. Of course, he's so talented. And he, he threw that shot at Lenny Williams. Of course, let me tell you what's going on there. <clears throat> they, um... Did the what is hip social distancing uh, version that you heard a little bit earlier. And Lenny didn't take part. So I think Brent was trying to say, hey, hello there, my brother. Anyway, Emmanuel Navarrete coming back. Of course, the best fighter in all of Mexico. That, right, is, that includes Canelo. He's once-beaten fighter, now at 31-1, 27 kills. The most active champion, of course, in, the, uh, in boxing. I think he's defended that title six or seven times in, in the past couple of years. Straight up, Emmanuel Vaquero Navarrete taking on a guy by the name of, uh, forget who, who, it doesn't matter who he is. Doesn't matter, Mr. Caballero, it looks like it might be some uh, a Caballero or a Sanchez or something like that. Doesn't matter who shows up. He's licking everybody. Straight up, he's the best fighter out of Mexico, and I mean that seriously. I mean, he is incredibly talented, and the better he gets, uh, as the older he gets, I think he's the better he gets. Of course, he's going to grow into 126 pounds. I think he'll eventually end up at 130, but at 122, he is a king, without a doubt. Speaking of kings, one thirty-five. Everybody wants to talk about lightweights. Of course, these guys are throwing shots back and forth. Ryan Garcia is my guy at, at lightweight. Of course, along with Teofimo Lopez, both those guys undefeated. Lopez fifteen and zero, of course, the IBF title holder, and of course, Facilom Manchenko, considered the champion uh, at one hundred and thirty-five pounds. He's fourteen and one, having lost that one fight early on to Orlando Salido when he got mugged, but he came. Uh, didn't you know? I've got to tell you, he learned in that fight. What happened was he went into a fight, you know, weighing about the same as the other guy, and the other guy said, yeah, no, 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 I'm not going not gonna to come in at the weight. I'm going to come in a few pounds heavier. And then after the, coming in a few pounds heavier, he went out and gained another 10 or 12 pounds. So when, he, when Orlando Salido finally got in the ring with Vasil Lomachenko, he beat him down like you wouldn't believe. I mean, he beat him down like a dog. Anyway, Teofimo Lopez and Lomachenko were supposed to hook it up in May. That fight obviously didn't happen. The main thing going against Lomachenko <coughs> is his age. The miles on that odometer. I mean, come on, man. His car's got to be getting old. Two-time world amateur champion now. A professional, 32 years old, straight up. Good fighter, no doubt about that. Palafra uh, may be the best. Maybe the best. But, but, 32 years old. Lopez, 22 years old, 15 and zip. That's going to be a good fight. Lopez, a 5-1 to underdog in the bookmakers, uh, in the minds of some bookmakers. <clears throat> and I think they're blowing that a little bit. I don't think he's a 5-1 to underdog. But like Larry Mercer once told me... <clears throat> When I told him that Alexis Arguello was a, 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 a like a five to one underdog to Julio Cesar Chavez, he said, me, Pedro, it doesn't Pedro, it doesn't matter whether whether um, he's a five to one or a ten. Is he going to win? I mean, is the guy favorite going to win? And nine out of ten times, or ninety nine percent of the time, the guy <coughs> favorite does win. As far as the lightweights concerned, you've got Javante Davis, the tank. Of course, he's a champion as well. He's twenty five years old. He's a southpaw. He sort of brings that left handed punching power to the. I mean, he's like, like I think, like 23-0, and 0, like 21 knockouts, he can really rock. But then he's got some problems outside the ring. If he can keep that together, I think he can be a form foe at 135 pounds. Or can he stay at 135? Will he eat his way out at 135? Lopez, Teofimo Lopez, is already saying, you know, I've only got one more year or less than a year left at 135 before he wants to make the move to 140 pounds. But guess what, pal? Moving up in weight, ain't all, it ain't all that glorious. I moved up in weight, and I found out I went back down in weight. Remember that? I remember dying. Dying to make 139, dying to make the junior welterweight limit, I mean, cutting off arms and legs and enemas and all kinds of crazy stuff, me getting it done, okay, making the weight, and then saying to myself, you know, I could beat these guys, these welterweights, I beat them up in the gym, I beat them up in the gym, so ain't no big thing, right, so, you know, they they, they put me around California, and they sent me down to the valley, and I tried to try it out. Some try to fight the welterweight, one hundred forty-seven, one hundred forty-eight pounds. I wasn't that heavy. I was like one hundred forty-two, one hundred forty-three. But the guys I was fighting, we'd say, you know, we'll fight anybody less than one hundred fifty pounds. Anyway, so I fight these bigger guys, and I beat these bigger guys up, and I said to myself, well, you know, they're slower, they're bigger, this is easy, this is easy. Yeah, until I went to the National Golden Glove Championships and fought Ernie Chavez, that southpaw left hand. Of course, he weighed in at 147, and he weighed in, and he had long hair. When he weighed in at 147, <clears throat> we weighed in like on a, a Sunday or a Monday. Uh, maybe a Tuesday. And he was He weighed 147 pounds, and there was steam coming off his body. So obviously he had some problems making the weight. He was in the sauna or something like that. Anyway, so when he gets in the ring with me on Saturday, I think it was on Saturday, Friday or Saturday. And when he gets in the ring with me, I, I told my trainer, hey, 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 that ain't the guy. What do you mean that ain't the guy? That ain't the guy. For, first he got a haircut. Okay, he shaved, he got a haircut. So he changed his look that way. <clears throat> but he gained 15 pounds. Holy cow. I mean, this guy I was looking across He was like manning his midget. I mean, yeah, I look like the midget. I kid you not. So when you move up, and I got look like a stamp in the second round. I got hit so hard, man. I'm telling you, I woke up. I, well, I woke up. I looked up, and I saw four or five guys, four or five, at least four or five guys, maybe a half a dozen. I kid you not. When you see a multiple people in the ring, that's how that guy Alfred Sixes Lewis got that name. Alfred Sixez Lewis, the former WBA champion for just a minute. How did he get that name? he knocked guys down. They get up and they see six or seven guys across the ring. That's why he got the name Six Heads. Anyway, bottom line is boxing, rock and roll, and I think the lightweight division is the place to be. As far as Ryan Garcia is concerned. Of course, he's my guy. And the reason why I say he's my guy is, of course, from L.A., Los Angeles, California. He's 20-0. I think he's got it all going for him. He's got the looks. He's got the mannerisms. He's got, he's got 2.4 or 2.8 million people following him on Instagram. In other words, he can sell tickets. There's no doubt about it. He sold out the, the, uh, the Honda Center down there in Anaheim, California. He sold that place out in, like, 15 minutes, okay? He was going to sell out the forum to fight some shtick. Some Shamo in July, okay? And that ain't going to happen, obviously. So the super fights are now going to happen. These BS fights are going to be put out the way. In other words, it's time for guys like, you know, I hate to put it to you, man, but the guy from San Francisco right here, Devin Haney, the Internet champion, that's what they call him. That's what they're calling him, the WBC champion. Of course, they gave him the belt. They gave him the belt. He was, like, injured or something like that. He couldn't defend the title. Somebody else came in and took the title. But then they say, well, you're our champion at recess or something like that. You can't have a champion at recess! Come on, like a president in a recess or something like My producer's in a recess. He's not here. Who's going to produce the show? Don't happen. It no, ain't going to happen that way. Devin Haney, of course, a talented fighter. Skipped the amateur levels. Went pro. I like, the, uh, I like his attitude. But, you know, come on, man. You know, step it up, step it up. Don't fight any more schmoes. These guys have got to fight each other. Haney's, I said, 24 and 0. Of course, um, Garcia 20 and 0. Lomachenko 14 and 1. Teofimo Lopez 15 and 0. Javante Davis 23 and zip, 21 wax. Okay, other guys maybe Leo Selby 28 and 2, and that dude. Too- No do too big on Selby. But the bottom line is 135 pounds is rocking and rolling. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I really think this is a division that people should be keeping an eye on. Forget the welterweight division. Earl Spence, of course, we're talking about him coming back and fighting in July. Of course, he was the guy that... Flipped his car over at 95 miles per hour or something like that in Dallas in uh, the latter part of last year as far as the DUI thing is concerned. And he walked away. Or he was carried away. But the bottom line is he'll never be the same. And if you want to give me a guy to fight, please let me. I will come, you know, Mike Tyson wants to come back and fight people. Too bad that Earl spent that he wasn't a welterweight because that would be the guy I would tell him to come back and fight. Come back and fight Earl Spence. The guy survived a, a car wreck, a ninety-five mile per hour car wreck. You know what that means? He ain't going to be the same. I would love to fight. I would love. I would. I, would, I tell you, I would be. I, sign me up. At my age, almost sign me up. To, I couldn't make one forty-seven. That's the problem. But no, seriously. I think Earl Spence is damaged because we're talking about him and Terrence Crawford finally going at in September. is some type of welterweight showdown. I'll believe it when I see it. As far as the rest of the welterweight is concerned, nobody really matters at 147. As far as 160 concerned, oh, wait, i got to do some boxing history before we get out here. Or my house historian is going to shoot me. I'm talking about uh, Grandmaster Billow. Uh, today, take that back, in May 27, 1983, Marvin Hagler knocked out the Wolf recipient in the fourth round. I think that was in Rhode Island of course, he added the IBF belt. Of course, that was a newly created IBF belt back in 1983. Of course, the International Boxing Federation came into play about that time. They were under the—there <clears throat> used to be the United States Boxing Association. They decided they would go worldwide, and they got their president, Bob Lee, of course, Bob Lee Sr., to be the president. He was the founder and the president. He was the same guy that I went to in 2000, 2001, when I went to him in—no, in, in the 90s. I went to him in, in Atlanta, GA, and I said to him, listen, man, <clears throat> I saw a film of you being— taking money, taking a bribe. What are you talking about, Pedro? I said, "I I saw a film of you taking a bribe in a hotel room. You took a bribe and you were counting the money. And he, he had a heart condition. Bob Lee had a heart condition, right? So he started popping these nitroglycerin pills right in front of me, right here on the stage. We're at the the Omni in Atlanta, Georgia. Of course, we're going to watch Von Bean uh, challenge Evander Holyfield for the World Heavyweight Championship. It's basically Evander, Evander Holyfield's home turf coming from uh, Georgia. And I remember telling Bob Lee that night, you know, you, Bob, you're going to jail. Bob did end up going to jail. Bob would not rat out Don King. Bob would not rat out Bob Arrow. Bob wouldn't rat anybody out because of the fact that I think they were taking care of his family. More power to him. So he went to jail, and he spent like four or five years. He got out at the age of like almost 80. He's still living. He's like 85, 86 years old. Like, you know, he's still alive. But that is the International Boxing Federation and how it came to play. I kid you not. Know, people ask me, how do these sanctioning bodies get started? That's how the IBF got started. It was a spinoff of the United States Boxing Association. You are tuning to Rink Talk, live worldwide, your inside look into the world of boxing, MMA, as I said earlier. Oh, I want to mention this. The Australian Boxing community lost a, uh, one of their former two-time world title challengers. Hector Thompson passed away at the age of 70 this week. He had been in poor health for years. He was their Commonwealth champion, and uh, he was a pretty good guy. I mean, he defeated some world-class guys like Jimmy Hare and, and, and Carlos Jimenez, Raul Montoya. He's a pretty good, he was a pretty good fighter. 73 wins, 12 losses, 2 draws, 20 kills, not a big puncher. Died at the age of 70. He was in poor health, and that wasn't a coronavirus type of uh, issue. As far as the rest of the world's concerned, you can always check out what the WBO is doing. In fact, the WBO president, the Honorable Francisco Paco Valcarcel, thinks that boxing. We won't get back to uh, crowds until we've got a vaccine. So that's interesting. Anyway, you can always check out what the WBO is doing at wboboxing.com. That's wboboxing.com. You are tuned to Ring Talk, live, worldwide. You're inside. Look at the world of boxing and MMA. Here's a spin from the Great American Soul Book, Tower of Power, 2006. Larry Bragg's on lead. How did Larry Braggs get the gigs? I got it for him. But
7: I know I never cared.
6: Are you paying too much for term life insurance? There's a tremendous price war among the major term life companies. Rates have dropped dramatically in the past two years. For example, a man age forty five, non tobacco user, one million dollars of coverage is only seventy five dollars per month, level for the next ten years. Or a man age fifty, non tobacco user, can buy a half million dollars of coverage for a monthly premium of only hundred and ten dollars, guaranteed not to change for the next twenty years. That's right, level rates for twenty years, and if
10: Visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov.
6: Imagine this is your money and someone wants to take it from you. Who is it? The IRS. They want your money and guess what? They can legally take it. All of it if they want. Remember, they sent you that letter that said, hey, you owe us a bunch of cash and we're going to take it from you. So what do you do?
1: 932 1749 That's 800-932-1749
2: Now, more of Ring Talk
1: with Pedro Fernandez.
18: I don't get too high. I don't get too low. And uh, I think it is a test of, of kind of faith and, and kind of working through adversity. <laughs>
4: As we come back with the manix theme, that's Man dating me, no doubt about that. Timestamp, 1968. Oh, Frank Guzman, my buddy over there, in uh, the trainer from King's Gym over in Oakland, California, of course. He's been helping out the homeless. He ran into a lady who was in a tent this week and gave her some food and some money and that kind of good stuff and I think that's sort of cool because you know my my homeless guy passed away a couple weeks ago so we're, we're missing him and no I'm not going to adopt another homeless guy and I'm not going to get another dog probably my dog died in 18 months ago I can't get another dog Cut man, says to me you get another dog eventually no no you won't get another dog and as far probably not and as far as walking into homes again I'm not going to walk into somebody like I walked into him I was walking on a break between shows and I walked into him boom and that's how I met him hey homes what's up and from that point forward I was feeding him at the end of the day Holmes was probably about 48 to 50 years old And he died on the streets of San Francisco Part of the coronavirus No, part of the homeless situation So if you're going to reach out this week Reach out to somebody You know, you see these people Like at the side of the road When you come off the freeway This and that And they're all dirty And this and that Give them five bucks What's gonna give them ten bucks? Come on, it's not gonna kill you. If you're able to put that money in your hand, you can give it to them, and guess what? You'll feel better, You'll feel good about it. And somebody said to me, "Oh, you know, you never know what they're doing with the money." Who? Are, who are you to care what they do with the money? Just give them the money. Hopefully, they'll get something to eat. When I give money to women here in San Francisco, listen. You know what they say to me? What do I have to do for it? I said, "You have to go, go get yourself something to eat." But that's that's what's going on here as far as feeding people. Reach out, feed somebody. My my man. Scott Cuddy and I, we, we had Holmes. Of course, Holmes was passed. Maybe we'll adopt another guy. But the bottom line is, at the end of the day, you get emotionally attached to these homeless people. And when they go, because there's only two ways they can go. Either they hit the lottery and go to rehab and get a place to live, or they die on the street. Unfortunately for Holmes, he died on the street. want to thank my guest today. Of course, the great Larry Merchant, the esteemed HBO godfather, who appeared in Hour number 1 of Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Of course, Hour number 2, wow, what can I say? The King of Vocals. So I'm talking about the man who's the lead singer both of Tower of Power and AWB. The current AWB lead singer, Mr. Brent Carter. We're gonna say? I am so impressed by him, boy. I just am. He's an amazing man, without a doubt. Now I'm not talking about the singer. I'm talking about him as a man. So you are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. 35, make that 36 plus years now of knocking out all bums. So next week, keep your hands up, keep your chin down. And most importantly, don't forget, Ring Talk airs Saturday and Sunday's 11 a.m. Pacific time, or, 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 don't forget, we're also on Anchor Podcast.